0: Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation.
1: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the big break here on the VOC Nation Network. I am Cherry Strauss, and this is your opportunity to learn the stories, the journeys, the ups and the downs, and the paths to success of your favorite personalities from the world of professional wrestling. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one, folks, because if you remember our debut episode, we had an amazing conversation with one of the most popular WWE Divas of all time, Candice Michelle. We talked about her road to WWE stardom through the Viva Search competition back in 2004, that infamous path to success that uh, has been debated about, continues to be debated about until this very day and beyond, I'm sure. Uh, and we're going to go back there this week because you guys demanded it. We're going to get a different perspective. We're going to get a different story. And we are going to uh, talk to somebody different, but equally awesome, equally cool, equally well-remembered as well. Let's bring her on right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Joy Giovanni from the 2004 Diva Search is here. Joy,
2: what's up? Too kind, too kind, Jerry, too kind. I don't know how remembered I am, but thanks. Let's...
1: Oh, please, trust me. <laughs> okay. Trust uh, me. I'm sure, you know... <laughs> I was um I was looking just to get ready for this conversation I was you know going back and revisiting some of the old Smackdown clips of uh, your time with the company and you know really that period of time it almost feels like the kind of it like the kind of thing that uh, I think people are going to visit for the first time again and again kind of like a a cult classic TV show that maybe not everybody watched when it was originally on the air or a movie that didn't do so well at the box office, but people eventually catch on and they find out. I mean, that era, 2004, 2005, really a great time for for WWE, and you were such a big part of some of the most entertaining things there. Uh, do you feel like you kind of catch that buzz? Do you feel like uh, people are contacting you through social media? or reminding you in any way, trying to uh, kind of make that connection and reminding you at least of uh, the fact that they're watching and they're liking it.
2: You know, that is one thing I will say is the fans have always been and I'm sure will always be absolutely amazing. The things they remember, the, um, you know, the way that they continue to want to interact and to, to say hi and to show some love. So I, I always appreciate that. Um, it's so funny because just the other day I I on my social media I started doing like a throwback Thursday a couple weeks ago so I was looking through some old photos to line up some future ones and I actually have a couple behind the scenes uh, diva search photos just as throwbacks so those will be those will be rolling out anytime and it's just a fun I'm curious you said that it's like very talked about and debated about so I want to Put a pin in that because i want to know like what are we debating about we're gonna get there, uh, gonna I'm, get there. there. I'm excited
1: absolutely yeah so. you know if anything i think maybe it's more debated about now than it was before and um as i said we talked about it already on this show we're gonna do it again um i want to uh go back to the beginning a little bit with you because everyone's path to stardom is different and it, even micro targeting that eva search everyone's path to that thing <laughs> seems to be very very different their stories and their motivations for being involved all very different uh, and, and I said at the top talk to Candice Michelle she had an interesting perspective because she believes that uh, the diva search was intended really to just find um, eye candy for WWE programming um, without any real intent in transli- transitioning uh, the talent they find into in-ring, real professional wrestlers, real, you know, in-ring superstars. Oh, and that's
2: interesting. Um, that wasn't my experience, my personal experience, interestingly enough. Um, it's funny, because Candace and I actually knew each other before the diva search, being in LA and in that acting world it is kind of a small world, like they say, um, so at that first the first audition that they had us go to was at this hotel, almost like a ballroom style um, holding space for the girls during the day. Like you would imagine, uh, you know, like a like a high school prom in the big room with the tables with the white tablecloths or like a wedding reception. But nobody's there. Just this okay. room full of girls. And, and, and just then- to
1: back, Sorry, just to back it oh, up yeah. one second to get to that spot now. You were already modeling, right? You're in the modeling world. Modeling,
2: acting, doing some bit parts. I had like, I had my SAG card already, um, so, was so I was, was on my way.
1: Just, was this an audition for you then, an opportunity that you saw as more of just generally being in the acting entertainment realm and you're sent yes. there by your agent? I'm going to give you the
2: disclaimer on this that some of the fans are not going to like my answers on some of these. Um, what a lot of people don't know or kind of find, found out along the way is that I had two really small kids at the time. And the part that a lot of people don't know is I lived pretty far from LA and was commuting in for auditions and I had recently um, turned down a couple of auditions and then got called with the WWE one didn't really know what it was, but they just said it was going to be an all day audition. audition, we needed to bring multiple um, costume changes, and that they could keep us for a full day or they could basically like release you from the audition at any time. I, to be quite honest, it was really far where it was. It was all the way by LAX, and I lived well over an hour away. And I was, like, all day. But I, since I had refused a couple auditions, I was like, I have to go to this. Otherwise, my agent's probably going to drop me. <laughs> so that's, that's why I went. I didn't know what it was. I didn't realize there were so many amazing, um, you know, women going to be there as well. I didn't realize they were going to have a full panel. We did the rounds of audition, if you will um, – Coach was there, Jonathan Coachman, um, I believe Stephanie McMahon was there, um, and a few other heavy hitters that, to be honest, I had no idea who they were. I know that sounds horrible. Um, I had watched wrestling as a kid with my cousins, you know, back east and done the whole, you know, Jimmy, Flash Nooka and, you know, all of those greats back in the day, but I didn't realize it was still programming that was still as huge as it was at the time, so.
1: Yeah. That's I, I mean it's I, I think a lot of those involved in wrestling and wrestling fans they do tend to live in this little bubble where you kind of think well everybody knows what's going on here but if you don't watch it you don't know <laughs> and you're not well, really you don't watch product.
2: it if you don't watch this you know the particular networks that they're contracted with at the time you just maybe don't you know aren't aware of it um, I do in my personal opinion believe one of the reasons they did the diva search was. Um, I can tell you from the acting side of things at that time, the temperature was that a lot of things were going towards reality TV, a lot of those contest type shows. And I think they were trying to be more with the times and get kind of on that bandwagon of doing the more uh, viewer interactive type shows with the call in number and all of that. Um, I would say we had so little information when we started. We didn't you know, it was I think it was the first one, wasn't it? It was
1: the first, I think there was more of an internal one that happened the year before where okay. they just conducted some sort of an audition type thing, but it wasn't like a public week to week, we're gonna give you an update, have it on uh, on TV. Yeah. Thing type thing like.
2: um, what I will tell you is the way it was, the way it was given to me was that they were, because it's so um, athletically based as a show, obviously amazing hardcore athletes, work on that show and the understanding that they gave to me and several other of the you know girls they were calling in was they were looking for girls that were pretty well versed in acting and had you know training and an acting career to bring more validity to the storylines. That's probably the wrong word but you get what I'm saying. Um just to help along the acting of the storylines a bit. So I understand I think what she's saying because it was actually part of my contract that I wouldn't have to you know, do the physicality of it because if you're an actor, that could destroy your entire remaining career. You know, really.
1: No, it's. A, I wanted to ask you because you had mentioned that you were worried that not going to this audition would be kind of a a bad <laughs> could result <laughs> in some bad blood between you and your agent. That's interesting to me because I feel like even to this day there's still sort of this stigma and you hear a lot of people talk about it where hollywood and wrestling don't necessarily mix and you know you hear time and time again people you know don't go to don't do the wrestling thing it's going to ruin your career you know you've heard of everyone from like Chris jericho dwayne johnson even has battled that throughout his career um, pressure to stay away from wwe stay away from professional wrestling do you think this was different just because of the way it was marketed by WWE as not being about the wrestling at all? Was that kind of the intent?
2: Um, I don't think it was different. Actually, I really struggled with this piece of it. So we did the diva search. And then for those who remember, there was like a little lapse in time before some of us started appearing again as developmental. Is that what they call you when you Basically, haven't signed your contract yet. Um, you're developmental. Um, so, what happened was in that interim period, I went back to doing acting and other things. And then they reached out to me and uh, directly and asked me to to start appearing again, and that they wanted to offer me a contract. At that time, I already had um, agent management. Uh, I had a, an amazing publicist at the time, and it was kind of like a team meeting to go over this contract um if you can call it that the contract is nothing like an acting contract I can tell you that right to the point where they were actually pretty offended at some of the terms of it um but it was this discussion because that was my contention was listen I I know that often women come into the Hollywood thing as eye candy right it's just a part of our society it's the way it works but if you stick it out long enough and if you're you know, work on your talent enough, there's a possibility that you could get more mainstream roles. And I was thinking if I take this wrestling thing, I'm never going to get a mainstream role because at the time, even Dwayne Johnson hadn't fully broken through. He had done like Scorpion King um, and some of those type of movies that were still very action oriented, but he hadn't, you know, fully broken through to the, I've always had a huge crush on him, just P.S. Um, to the like lovable, charismatic figure that we all know and love today. It wasn't he wasn't quite to that space yet. And I was just if someone like that hadn't broken all the way through, there was no way that I was going to transition, you know, from one to the other. And actually some people on my like, team kind of said uh, this is an international market. It's international exposure. Do you want to work or don't you take the contract? So that is why I took the contract. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, you know, even just going back to The Rock, um, you know, as the blueprint for Hollywood success from, with WWE stank on you, so to speak, with that experience, uh, you know, there's a guy who, as you said, he had his kind of minor success while still affiliated with WWE, and then he went for years where he just billed himself as Dwayne Johnson, he lost some of the weight, and it appeared, and I think he's talked about this in interviews, how his management had advised him to just get away from that entirely and reinvent himself. And it wasn't until I guess he was kind of established and, uh, became a big enough star that he was able to kind of have the leeway to go back and start calling himself the rock and market himself once again, that way. And and go back to WWE. So before him, you look at a guy like Hulk Hogan, uh, kind of a blueprint for mainstream stuff. And he, um, Never really broke free from being Hulk Hogan, so yeah. I, I, I can see why every agent in town would say no. <laughs> like if you want yeah. another job after this, you know, certainly mixed feelings. Um, and some uncertainty has to surround that decision to you. But you took the contract.
2: I did. Was that um, a year contract? Um, it was a three-year actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was. It's just a really bizarre it's a, it's a whole separate culture. It's not like the acting world. It's not like the regular world. It's its own. It's, I mean, those of you who know it well, know it has its own language. It has its own, you know, it's, everything's different. So it was a three-year contract. Um, the, the reason why I kind of disagreed with what you said, that Candace said just for my own experience about the, not wanting to convert people over to more of like the physical talent, um, Amy and I had our program that we were working together, obviously, as like the female counterparts for those two big sides, if you will, of that main event program. She was with JBL and I was with a show, big show. Um, We actually had started training for a a match that was intended to be like a pay-per-view match, like a prime match. Um, And at that point, I just had fully committed myself. I was like, I'm going to go all in. I guess if I get hurt, whatever. Um, And... I don't know, I, I just, I think I really saw how hard all of this talent had worked to get where they were. I had so much respect for them. Um, Fit Finley actually was training me anyway to to do the match and to learn how to do the wrestling stuff. I mean, I've got a, an amazing experience of when I was learning how to take a bump, cause you know, there's a way to allegedly a way to land flat on your back entirely where it doesn't hurt. Um, the truth is I couldn't turn my head for like three days, but it was, it was the undertaker who was teaching me how to do that, which who ha- who has that experience? You know what right. I mean? Like that's just, so I have so much respect and appreciation for the incredible once in a lifetime type experiences that I did get to have. It just, you know, it just wasn't the world I had intended to be a part of.
1: Absolutely. And um, so uh, let's go back to the actual Competition a little bit. Now yeah. You ended up in third place, right? Which is yeah. amazing. It also means that you went through a lot on TV in front of everyone when you so, were so much. <laughs> so <laughs> go back. Let's go back to that day. Now, was this a basically a one-day audition to get to? Was it like the final twenty-eight or thirty-two or something uh, like that?
2: Okay, so it's been a really long time, as you know. <laughs> um, so I'll try to remember the best I can. So if I'm wrong with anything, I'm just going to apologize in advance. Uh, so it was that one day we were at that hotel that was near LAX. Uh, then they moved on. It was like a good amount of girls that they moved on. And the next step was going to be going to that the New York. I want to say you're right. It was like 25 or 28 or somewhere in that vicinity. And that was going to be the thing in New York where you... All we really knew was that we were going to be on stage. It was... Um, Edge and Adam um, and uh, Chris Jericho were going to be the two hosts of whatever that evening was going to be. Um, basically, what they do is they call you. One of the writers usually calls you and tells you what you need to bring. So it's like bring a bikini, bring clubwear, bring shoes, bring. And then that's all, you know, they just at that stage, you get no further information. Um, you know, you're not prepping anything. Uh, all I remember is. I was like, whatever they ask me, I at the time was uh, doing a lot of kickboxing and Muay Thai and was really heavily involved in that just for my own personal fitness and enjoyment. And I was super flexible so I could do the high kicks. So I was like, whatever they ask me, I'm going to put my ankle on this dude's shoulder and do like the tall splits. And that's all I got because people who know me, I'm horrible at giving off the cuff answers. I say the most like embarrassing, ridiculous. So you're lucky, Jerry. Um, the weirdest thing is just because I I need some time to like wrap my mind around what I'm gonna say, and uh, so I was like, whatever they ask me, I'm just gonna do that. And that's exactly what happened.
1: <laughs> I'm prepping our speed round of questions at the end. Oh, get
2: excited! I'm you never kidding. know what I might say. It does. It would actually good. be a really fun one-off, <laughs> though. Just saying, <laughs> like the divas' family feud. Mental
1: note:
2: It's, it's <laughs> happening.
1: So. Yeah. It, it, so you get to New York now, and this is—is is this um Are you talking about in at one of the shows or one of the TV tapings, or is this in it WWE? It wasn't New York? a show.
2: It was its whole own. It was like a Divas Search special, and it was kind of just like the next round. I think it was the. the I think they might have done some kind of package where they did quick flashes of the other auditions, but this was going to be really the only one they, I think, actually showed as part of you know, the full package. Um, and then I think from there is when they rounded it down to 10, I think, but I could be wrong.
1: Okay, yeah, and uh, I mean, here's, it, it's an interesting distinction, the dividing line here, because, you know, with Candace, she did not even make the top 10, so she was left, this is the part where she was kind of left behind. Mm-hmm. And then- I was shocked. Appropriate-
2: I was, I mean, Candace is gorgeous. Her and I roomed together that we- that weekend. I mean, she, we knew each other, so she's, yeah. she's gorgeous. And I was like, they're nuts. I mean, so
1: she, she was also almost immediately signed to a contract soon yeah. after that. Yeah, so which makes sense. Yeah, it does. But in a way, it's it, it. really makes you look back and say, "Well, what was the intent then of the top ten and the contest and everything for you guys to vie for this shot? Is it the idea that maybe, well, we don't see we don't see someone like a Candice?" As being valuable to this competition, but we see her more of a long term thing. Um, whereas with you, obviously, they they saw both at, in that moment because they wanted you to be a part of this competition and you went very far in it. What was the criteria, do you think, just to be a part of this? <laughs> I'm going
2: to tell you, trying to figure out what the team is thinking is like, it's almost impossible. I, sometimes the things that they do or don't do have no rhyme or reason to me. Like, I, I just can't quite understand a lot of the choices that they made when I was there. Um, So I have no idea what what the intention was, or what they were thinking, or, you know, why some over over others, because it even like I said, even made no sense to me in the moment where I was like, what is happening? Like, it just, so I don't know.
1: At the same time in the moment, now you're advancing, you're advancing. Um, Are you getting excited? Do you feel like this is something that you want? To continue on. With. Um,
2: I'll tell you every time I thought it was my last time. Like I, I just had no idea that it was gonna continue continue on like that. I didn't um didn't tell anyone that I was doing it. So I, I had some friends kind of call me and be like, um, are you on TV right now? And I was like, Are you watching wrestling right now? Like what's happening? Like I so um yeah, I was convinced that it was gonna be just like a one time, you know, I was gonna get voted off the first time off the island or whatever. Um and we also had no prep for what was going to happen that day. They I'm sure you've heard this all before, but they kept us in, you know, wrestling all happens during the day in the bowels of the arenas. So you're in the locker rooms and they had a special little cement locker room for us each time that I don't even think you'd call it a locker room. This was a very special wow. room. Um, <laughs> we weren't supposed to leave the room because we weren't supposed to interact with anyone. I think it took place on Raw. We weren't supposed to act, react, like interact, sorry, with anyone Um on the show, we weren't supposed to, the thing that, so some of the stuff that was kind of BS, if I can be really honest, which I know I can with you, um, they didn't tell the talent that they told us not to interact with them. So they all thought that we were just really rude. Right. right. So stuff like that is like, why, that's what I mean. Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just say like, the girls aren't allowed to talk to you? You know what I mean? Do
1: do you think that's intentional? Do you think that's sort of reading a competitive? environment or is it just um,
2: no I think it was probably that they didn't want uh the boys hitting on the girls or something to that effect but I just don't think that they related that to any of the talent so they I what I understood later was that they felt very disrespected by that whereas we just were following when you're an actor and you're on a set and they tell you to do something you do it you don't question you don't there's no conversation about like the script and what's happening you just do what you're asked to do because that's your job so we didn't know that we were supposed to then like you know do it anyway or we, we didn't know how i didn't know anyway like how much leeway i had with what they asked us to do versus like oh i can just uh do totally something different than you guys are putting in front of me because it'll get a bigger pop like i didn't know that that was part of the game Way too late.
1: So, it's all very subjective, but I mean, I, I can understand the idea of not wanting to go to to the locker room and say, "Hey guys, um, there's a closet down the hall with ten beautiful women in there. Just don't go near there." All right. Like, I could so see funny. how that would not be the best strategy. Yeah. Either.
2: But the hard thing is, culturally, what I didn't know until later is that one of the things of the behind the scenes is that it's almost like, and it's unspoken, but I guess if you were raised up in that, you would kind of know the culture, one would. Um, But I would be, once I was on the show, for example, I would be supposed to drop off my stuff and then go to catering and personally greet everyone. Um, and the thing that was the most shocking to me about it was I'm Italian and if someone's eating, it's rude to interrupt them with that culture. If you don't, I mean, so you're going up to the top guys and having to interrupt their conversations while they're eating, which is the most counterintuitive thing. Uh, but it's offensive if you don't. So it's like things like that, that it's like, Oh, I don't know why they didn't give us a heads up, but it would have been surely nice if they did.
1: You know, we talked to Candace about, getting to that point where you know just by not knowing the etiquette you end up annoying everybody and then you have to kind of work your way back and earn people's respect and get them to like you from square one basically maybe below square one yeah for you I I think it's even worse in a way because you were part of that competition you're on tv you're not flying under the radar like someone like Candice who had been eliminated so now you're kind of more it it feels like you'd be more of a target and more of someone that would be an example of that's the kind of person that is now on our show who is totally blowing us off and uh, not respecting our work and what we've done here to eave the way, so to speak. I mean, did you feel like um, like you were just kind of building angst with everybody up until maybe the point beyond after the competition was over?
2: And- I was pretty oblivious. Like, I didn't even know that they were I didn't know I was doing something to make people mad so I didn't really and we weren't allowed to see them or interact so I didn't see yeah. them being mad so I just, cool. I really didn't know I was so when did you find out how did you find um out? and the funny thing too was like during diva dodgeball I think they were excited cuz they were like yeah we get to like whip on these girls a little bit and I just thought you know cuz I come from an acting background like that's just part of the it's part of the thing um but some of the girls were nice some of them were um were friendly jazz was was very cordial always and Nydia was always I mean we became friends later she was always great um the other girls were said hi and were polite but it's just i'm sure they're guarded too because what i also learned later is that um during the the shows beforehand in the lead up during the day, there's a lot of things that happen. And one of the things is people that are trying to get developmental deals will come and kind of work out in the ring and just show their stuff a little bit. So they are inundated with people trying to break into their world all the time. So of course they're going to be a little bit, you know, reserved with people they don't know. Of course they would.
1: Um, I I think there's a stigma and um, the movie, I don't know if you've seen or heard of the movie that they did about it came after you. Um, it's called Fighting with My Family. I saw uh, that. That was a great did. movie. I
2: saw it on an airplane. It was a great movie.
1: Well, I thought it was really interesting because they really dealt head on with the fact that, you know, she came in, she came from this wrestling family, and she herself um, felt kind of a bias towards the other girls who were vying for a contract alongside her because they came from modeling or they came from places other than wrestling. And it turns out, you know, she kind of changed her thought process because she understood that they all worked hard to get there in their own ways. And they all had motivation and some had kids and, you know, the whole thing. Like, they all had a reason to want to achieve that dream, even if they hadn't come from, you know, wanting to be a wrestling star all those years. So, like, from your perspective now, obviously not wanting to be a wrestling superstar, you know, until uh, you get to this point and you're vying for this contract now. Did you feel like everyone was kind of against you? Like those who had come from a wrestling uh, journey, I guess, before WWE?
2: Um, I don't know. I think once I got to have some conversation, I remember, I mean, Gail Kim is such a strong athlete as well. And I think she might have come from fitness previously. I remember Trish and I having a conversation because I had a fitness background as well as a trainer and was licensed in that. Um, I know Trish and I had a conversation once about that. That's how she, you know, she started a separate career in fitness and all of that. So I think each in their own, but I just, I just think of course, you know, people are going to be a little guarded with new people coming in no matter where they come from, just because everyone, it is so hard to earn your spot there. And it is so, as I, as I learned very quickly, that I mean, the rug can be pulled out from under you at any time with no warning whatsoever. So um,
1: it was a different mood. It was a different politically, perhaps a politically less correct time, certainly, than now. Um, you could see it in the product. You could see it in, I mean, the product back then and how the divas were sometimes portrayed, et cetera. Et cetera. But do you think some of that also bled into the locker room? Did it feel a little more misogynistic because you were, you know, gorgeous women who were coming in and, you know, essentially potentially just eye candy in the eyes of those who look to be critical towards you guys. We weren't
2: even in the women's locker room. We were just like in a separate area. So we, like, I really had no idea. We just kind of chatted amongst ourselves during the day. And we're like, "What?" Do you, I mean, the main conversation was like, what do you think they're gonna make us do today? Uh, um, Cause they wouldn't tell you off until right before. And then you're standing in a line to tape something and you're trying to figure out what you're gonna say. I mean, it's, you I might know a little bit, but not much. I, I guess I'm thinking a little
1: bit more Past like quarter. once I was in uh yeah once you were in now and you're you're in the mix and you're dealing yeah. with guys and you know did you feel any of that from
2: um so for me the interesting thing is I was contracted on Smackdown but the diva search was on Raw so it was a totally different even though they intermingled for pay-per-views and some of them you know swapped back and forth it, the vibe of those two shows was just very different backstage, just from, from someone walking and knowing nothing. Um, no, the girls on SmackDown were all pretty welcoming and cordial. I mean, cause at that time we had um, Jackie Haas was there, Miss Jackie, um, Tori, of course. Um, who else was there? Jeez, such, Dawn Marie, she was nice. I mean, everyone was pretty nice. And I think who came on with me? It was me, Amy, um, Michelle. Came on at some point in that same little time period there um and then a a few girls that just kind of they tried out other girls so they have a girl for like you know one or two times and then you wouldn't see her again and even me i guess once you're in the program you do become a little bit like well i'm gonna be nice to this girl but i'm not gonna i I don't want to bond to mature too much because you know she might not be here next week or we'll just see what happens or the other thing is it was so political you're right because you I felt like I had to be careful who I associated myself with even, um, it's for a woman at that time, it was very easy to get a bad reputation very quickly. Like, for example, because I was only at the time only obligated to do TV, I didn't, I wasn't on the road full time at that time. Um. I didn't have a road buddy. So usually what happens is two people will partner up and drive together because if, if it was less than 300 miles, I think, again, sorry if I'm saying, quoting wrong, but you had to drive yourself to the next show. They wouldn't fly you unless it was more than 300 miles. So you had someone you would ride with and, you know, room at the same hotel and then, you know, meet up in the morning or whatever. So I was kind of the only odd person out. Um, so I think one of the times I ended up driving with a guy and he was like, we can't drive together Like I'll do it with you now just because I don't want you to be by yourself. Like that's, that's scary, but I can't ride with you because it's going to be a, it'll be a problem for your reputation. And I was like, oh, okay. So it was actually the guys that kind of schooled me and show is amazing. I mean, I just, I love him. He was so kind to me. And so um, if I wanted to learn the ropes, he was willing to show me that kind of a thing. Like no one's going to just hand you all the information, but if you are open to, learning and trying to f- sort it out though, you know, there was guys that for sure would help.
1: Gotcha. Now you, you started out, you debuted on SmackDown in November, on uh, November 18th of that year. So a few months have gone by since you had uh, been third place, uh, named third place or third runner up, second runner up, whatever, whatever you call it to the Search. And as you said, that time went by, you went back to your normal life. They call you, they hire you. With much thought, much debate, you decide to sign on uh, for what then was intended to in be three years. Um, and you come on as a massage therapist. Was this just sort of, uh, was this your first character to your recollection that you were just kind of going to be around doing that until you got in the mix with something more?
2: more well, like- I think what it was is that they. I must have. What I I'm assuming this. I must have had a high rating, like a high approval rating is kind of the way they would say it on TV. Um, so they obviously wanted to bring me back on for some reason. I actually was a massage therapist in real life. Like I had oh. practice, I had a business. Um, so I think that they were just like, okay, this makes sense. Like, let's try this. Um, and I was with Carly. I was with Carlito. Um, and uh yeah, it was, it was super awkward. Cause I was like, you know, when, when that's really your profession, you're like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. Cause we're not really doing what right. i do so like just tell me what you want me to do um cuz this makes no sense like who's massaging in like a sports bra you know what i mean like that's just weird so <laughs> it felt like they were just testing me to see if i could take direction how i interacted with you know cuz remember we weren't interacting really with with the ta- the talent of the time the the athletes so how did i interact with them what was the approval on that so it felt to me it felt like they were just testing the waters with me to see like do we even develop a program involving this girl or can we even place her? Or, you know, is she gonna be a train wreck? Like that's kind of what it felt like to me. So I must've did something right. Yeah,
1: well, what are the clips that I saw? I wanna ask you about this because- Okay. I'm not quite sure if this is like right there in the same time period, but this is a uh, Thanksgiving-themed clip that I'm about to mention. I
2: think that was the next week.
1: Was it the next week? It
2: It was like right away, like really soon after.
1: Well, what I saw, and I think I only saw part of the clip because I know that you did something. This is where you began doing something with Big Show on TV. Mm -hmm. But it was just you coming out and you're setting up this uh, Thanksgiving dinner table.
2: so awkward.
1: It's just like three different segments, I guess, going in and out of commercial of the cameras focusing on you. And, you know, Michael Cole and Taz just kind of talking about like, oh, like, like, what's she doing? And you're just like. You're setting this thing up in the most seductive way possible as one could do for being in front of 15,000 people (laughs) um, with like, you know, 10 minutes of spacing in between every time that we'd see you. And you're still working on this table. You've got like um, pie and the cream and like doing all this stuff that. um, Imagine how
2: awkward it was for me in between. I I had to stand out there the whole time doing that. Like it's not like they brought me in the back in between. I was just out there the whole time like this is let me adjust this pie again this is not awkward <laughs> at all I, do, I don't know what to do some well, of this that, isn't even real like it was so awkward
1: I'm just watching it wondering what is she thinking because I don't
2: <laughs> like, it was point, awkward
1: it, what was the direction on something like that though because is it like make it sexy like is is that where
2: is um, that I'll tell you so my main uh writer point of contact was it was dave lagana if you know him sure. um, amazing guy we became really good friends o- over the years and we still kind of keep in contact a little bit um the direction from home was bring cocktail attire and high heels and i was like okay like i don't so of course as a as a girl like i was like okay i got this little black dress that's going to have to fit with whatever it is they're having me do. I have no idea. Um, at some point, I think they alluded to that they do a Thanksgiving thing every year that's breaks out into like a food fight or something. And I was like, okay, so that's probably going to happen at some point. Um, so I think it was just kind of like stand up there, pretend you're doing stuff with the food. And, you know, obviously the, the look sexy. I don't know if they said it or if it's just implied. Cause I think it's just always implied. <laughs> so like, if you want to, participate in this, you gotta your job is to be sexy. Like that's what it is, you know. They're doing very I mean, matches for God's sakes.
1: You know, that goes to kind of what we were talking about before because I think that kind of is a sign of the times a little bit because I, I don't think I think right now the the way the world is and the way that wrestling fans are and just the climate in wrestling in general, there's definitely a very vocal, maybe majority that's against that line of thinking and the way that were used to add sexiness to the show because there's such a there's such a focus uh, in today's wrestling world on women being serious athletes.
0: VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Phil, After, The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation.
1: And that's why, you know, I alluded to it before, uh, the debate kind of rages on about whether the term diva and the diva search and the divas championship that they used to have, whether all that is something that uh, added value, that should be celebrated, should be kind of Pride and buried and never mentioned again. As kind of a time when things were very, very uh, just unpolitically correct. I guess you could say. Yeah, different. Yeah, I mean, even a week or two ago, I I was noticing, you know, certain people even involved with WWE today, like getting involved in these debates on social about, you know, should we, should we um, bring the Divas Championship back? I believe. Actually, it was a public interview, so I'll even say it was Maria Canellis, who was another Divas Search contestant. Who, oh, yeah. Uh, she started it in the interview, or she started this conversation by talking about how she feels that it's kind of disrespectful that they shelved the Divas Championship and don't refer to that Arab again because it kind of throws away all the hard work that you guys did. And, uh, you know.
2: Um, the, I think the unfortunate thing of it was even during that time, there were some amazing women athletes. Like I said, Gail Kim and Trish, and like it's been a long time, so the names escape me. But Victoria and Lita and all of those people, um, just incredible athletes, and they – gave their bodies to the ring, if you will, no less than the guys. I mean, the, the amount of sports injuries they had and the amount of workouts that they did and and all of that was equal to what the guys were doing. It's just one of the things I heard pretty frequently because I as I agreed to go more into the physicality of it, um, you know, the in, the injuries come, which mine were just very mild in comparison. But uh, one of the things I heard repeatedly was that no one wants to see girls bleeding on TV. So for the guys, I mean, I think even some of that was controversial with the blood. They weren't supposed to be bleeding much at that time, but some of them still did some of the old school things that they really weren't supposed to do, that that type of gray area. Um, so that was, I think, part of the concern was that they didn't want the girls to go too hard because no one wants girls bleeding. But then, you know, how are you still going to let them be the incredible athletes that they are and respected at that level? Um, so I think that they did probably miss you know, some potential there and why shouldn't they have a women's championship if if the women want it, they deserve the same amount of respect and accolade and, um, title. If that's something that they, you know, want to, want to go after, why not? There's, then there's a lot career-wise that comes with that as well. Cause then they're pushing you out more. You're seen a little bit more, obviously, if you're like the champion at the time, I would think, um, But I I do think that there are just some underappreciated, amazing women athletes from the time I was there for sure.
1: What's, I got to ask you this, and this is going to timestamp this a little bit, but it's too relevant not to mention it. One week ago, uh, there was a main event on All Elite Wrestling. I don't know if you're familiar with the competitor to WWE right now on Wednesday nights on TNT, AEW, uh, women's main event. Uh, It was a lights-out, holds barred style match. There was a decent amount of blood. It's been celebrated as one of the great main events of the year. Uh, Times have definitely changed. As someone who comes from the perspective of the Divas era and has sort of seen the mix of all those things, where is your stance on that? Do you think there's a line and a limit uh, on the female side as to what should or shouldn't be done you know, taking into account that women's, you know, women's wrestling is just as tough and they work just as hard as you said, as the men, but should be presented in a different way.
2: It's tough. Cause I haven't seen the match. Um, would you say that this is, this is so hard for me because I, I really, like, I always say, I have so much respect for the athletes and I never want to minimize what they do. And I actually get offended when people say it's fake. Cause it's not like the injuries are real. The training's real. Yeah, often they know who's supposed to win. So there's parts of it that are directed, but the the physicality of it, you know, they're still getting hurt and stuff. Um, But I guess what I'm asking is, was the blood for show, or did somebody actually get hurt and was bleeding? Like, what? Because I don't know what
1: happened. I'm of the understanding that it was not entirely accidental. I, I, I wasn't there, but okay. Okay. (laughs) uh, but it was it was a significant amount of it. Um, it was a, a strong visual. I will say that I don't think it was uh, entirely accidental. So I will say that it was an intended part of the content for that. Year.
2: Um, as a person, that's just my own person. Uh, I don't love the violence of it. Period. I just don't, especially with. Um, again, to, you know, we're dating things a little bit, but with the the state of things in our world and the violence that happens and the normalization of violence and, you know, particularly violence against women. So, so it is such a tough debate, right? Of like, you know, on one hand, yes, they deserve to do the job they want to do to the level they want to do it. But then on the other hand, are we glorifying violence and, uh, you know, women pummeling each other or men for that matter and making it okay. Like, I don't, I, I don't have, I don't have those answers. <laughs> um, but certainly I think there should be titles and things, but, you know, um, I, I hate that any of them get injured and, and it's even with the men's wrestling, you know, the, there countless number of those guys have had multiple, you know, broken knee, broken neck, broken back. And, you know, those injuries uh, last a lifetime, and the contracts don't. So, Ooh, that's,
1: a, that's a good just word. saying. <laughs> wow, that was powerful. That's the, <laughs> that's going to be our SEO-friendly content.
2: No! <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'm sorry, guys. Don't be well, mad at me.
1: You know, it's a good segue because, uh, you know, you talked about someone who, who works hard and has a lot of injuries. There's probably nobody in the history of wrestling who's been a harder worker and suffered through more injuries than a guy like Kurt Angle, who's somebody who yeah. you got to work with mm-hmm. a great deal. Another one of the clips I saw. Um, amazing, and but it makes me think whether it's something that would fly today. It was the, uh, the SmackDown, a uh, bit of a storyline where you uh, you were taking a shower and oh, uh,
2: okay.
1: yeah he, let's he, talk he,
2: about this because i get asked about this still sometimes
1: well it, it was sort of there, uh, to, to my recollection there was sort of a three-way rivalry developing between big show between jbl between Kurt Angle, and everyone was kind of yeah. messing with each other playing mind games with each other and you were in the middle of it uh um, you were essentially playing big show's girlfriend at that point right
2: uh, yeah how shoot do you want to be on this like pretty you want me to just tell you the all the things Sure, all the okay. okay, keep going. Yeah, so I was shows, um, I think at that time they were calling me his girlfriend. They kind of went back and forth between like girlfriend and special friend. And it was just <laughs> weird. It was a little weird for a while. Um, but yeah, I was his girlfriend. It was, you're right. It was JBL and his cabinet, uh, which was um, Amy and um, I think it was Mark Jindrak was in there with them and Luther, Reigns and... Um, uh, that other guy, I, I loved him. Orlando, a, Orlando, Orlando, Orlando. Oh my God, I loved Orlando. He just, yeah. I really loved him. I really did. Um, and I thought, and by, then, the
1: way, by the way, before you even go on, I, I love the image and the idea that uh, even though this was before social media was prevalent, were it to be when social media was prevalent, uh, you there would absolutely have been uh, it's complicated uh for a relationship status between oh, for, you and sure, you.
2: for sure for <laughs> sure, <So, laughs> it was complicated and awkward. I have some funny stories about that. Um, yeah, and then there was the Kurt the Kurt Angle thing uh, as well. And I actually think that Mark and Luther might have been with him on part of it, and there was a whole, a whole wrestling love triangle thing happening with them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the thing was they were replacing someone in the shenanigans was replacing my name on amy's dressing room door Which, are like first of all no one's getting dressing rooms like
1: right <laughs> right right a dressing room so oh and wrestling tv everyone has their own i dressing know room.
2: so it's,
1: dressing it's a paper rooms. and it's not
2: there's that's not even being used that room um so they had kind of set it up for me the writers of like okay this is what we'd like you to do um uh, what do I want people to know about that? First of all, the towel that they came with was like this giant bath sheet of a towel. And we started to use that. And then we all kind of collectively were like, we gotta cut this towel. Like this is just, so I was in on the, the making the towel smaller.
1: Let's just um, let's just lay out real quick for those who don't remember just what happened really quickly. So it's the idea of the switcheroo of the names. Yeah. Um, and I guess it was JBL who was behind it and Amy who were aligned and you were kind of positioned against Amy. It was um, it was switching the names. Um, Amy essentially hits on Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. invites him to meet her, um, at, him to a, her
2: dressing room,
1: right? So which he goes has been in mine,
2: there, but replaced with her name. So he thinks he's going into her dressing right. room,
1: and then it's you <laughs> coming we'll out of the shower. On.
2: Yeah,
1: it's I, I just want to make mention um, the amazing comedy work of kurt angle an olympic gold medalist. he's
2: freaking hilarious like he's a really funny guy he really I mean, is
1: you see him you see him you know checking his breath and everything before he goes in and then he stops and takes his uh his wedding ring off before he walks in the dressing room like he's really milking every little thing to be just like the, the funniest cheesiest like b movie like Bastard that <laughs> you can
2: Yeah, I mean, okay, but that's the thing with the storylines—is they're over the top. And I mean, Joe's actually a really good actor. Like I have some stories about him too. He's a phenomenal actor. Whether it's overplaying like that, or whether it's the dramatic side—like some of those guys have some some acting talent apart right. from their athletic talent. So yeah. So then he is. I'm in the shower. Mind you, full makeup, not getting touched or wet at all. So that's that's happening in there for some reason. Um, and he is, I guess, taking off his shirt and dropping his pants, which seems much more inappropriate as I say it now, than at the time you're just like, all right, whatever. Let's just like do this. He is, uh, actually, I,
1: he is actually rubbing his own chest and nipples to somehow in his mind. I, I guess, have no
2: idea what that was doing. And I couldn't see that because I was inside the inside the shower curtain yes. like, this,
1: this whole time he's doing this like flirtatious thing with his eyebrows even though nobody's there to see it like he's just um, firing on all cylinders here it's amazing so funny
2: the funniest thing to the part i remember as being the funniest was that he had these little like green bikini underwear but those are his underwear. And I don't know if anyone like put those two together. That That is like the most hilarious. Sorry, Kurt. I love you. Um, that's like the most hilarious part to me that that's like what he wore that day. Because like, again, they don't tell you ahead. So you're just wearing, you know, they just, that was his dress business clothes for the day. And So right. that was really, that struck me trying not to laugh coming out of the shower, doing my whole scream and stuff. Like that's what I was doing. Trying not to laugh at his tidy green underwear.
1: You were funny. You were very funny with him because you did this sort of back and forth scream where you screamed and then he screamed and then you screamed and then he, <laughs> he screamed. Yeah. Uh, it was just great. And then, um, and then I, I guess he just gets to let speech.
2: you know I had a bathing suit on. Couldn't yes. see it, but just want to clarify that I had little shorts on that were a bathing suit and a little bathing suit top where you couldn't. Um, it was like a stick-on kind, so that's why you could see my back. So no one saw anything. That they weren't seen in the magazine. So it's, you know, just to, just to throw that out there.
1: <laughs> I don't remember if it's in the dress. After he runs. He's like, I didn't mean it. I didn't do anything wrong. And then he has to stop and incriminate himself even further by zipping up.
2: Yeah. Because his that pants was were funny.
1: unzipped yeah. as well. Well, then he chases me, and I
2: run to show. Um, And then uh, part of that was filmed earlier in the day, and part of it was live, I think. Um, Because then show immediately goes out and has a match, and that's a match with JBL, I believe. But obviously, I had no clothes on, so I wasn't out there for that. So I don't (laughs) remember what happened. Um, But yeah, so that's... And it's just, it's, there is some comedy in there. There's some timing that needs to happen. There's, you know, there's some, there's a little bit of acting in there. So
1: do you think that's where the talents and the experience of, of yourself and those like, like that's what they were looking for to, to what you were saying about before, just someone, you know, people who could be entertaining and handle themselves a little better than the wrestlers maybe and help the wrestlers along in those scenes and in those moments.
2: I'm not saying that they couldn't have already done it or that the women they had weren't doing it. I'm just what I know is that it was put to me as that they wanted people who had acting experience that could help with those type of storylines. So I think that's what what my role was to just do the acting part that I knew how to do, even though I have to tell you for like traditional film and television, that was really campy and would have been way over the top. So I, I wouldn't call that necessarily like true acting acting, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, And there is a a certain amount of ad lib. I mean, parts of it are, they kind of tell you pretty firmly scripted. And then parts of it, I I would say the majority of it is them just telling you the idea of what they want to happen and you need to kind of hit these things. But there's a lot of filling in the middle of it.
1: Do you think that kind of thing would fly today? Do you think it was a a level of content that was maybe a bit out of time for if you were to compare it to something that would be broadcast friendly today?
2: I think it depends on the network. Um, Cause if you look at like, you know, platforms like Netflix and stuff, they're showing way too much all the time. So I think it just, I think it just depends, you know. Um, I do remember at that time they had just, um they were just getting product into walmart like big like bedding and not that kind of product and so some of the stuff on photo shoots they were pulling back and saying like okay that's too sexy or that's too um depending on where they were placing those i don't know magazines or whatever um so there that was part of the conversation is toning it down for certain markets over others and certain networks um yeah, there was a time during the diva search where the network they were on, it was live TV and they didn't have a delay. Uh, so they were heavily fining the guys. And that was another, <clears throat> excuse me, another little thing that happened was, uh, I think I said a bad word and they would have gotten heavily fined at that time, but they had told us, <clears throat> sorry, they had told us we could say whatever we wanted. And I was like, you mean whatever we want. And you know, cause I <laughs> had to clarify and they were like, yeah, whatever you want. Um, but then those guys would have gotten in trouble. So they they were mad about that. So there were some little nuances like that, where I think in certain ways they were having to tone things based on what network they were on. I think SmackDown was on, what network were we on at that time? I don't, maybe, maybe maybe UPN um, or maybe like it wasn't CW, but I don't think it was like a prime, network if if you know what I mean. So I think that had something to do with it too. It's hard to say what they would allow now. I I just think like I said, I think it depends on the platform.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, agree I agree with you. With I, think, I, think, uh, I, think I think I think on think the other hand there's also I think the public just looks at things differently now. I think there's just a, a lot <laughs> more sensitivity about um, you know, stemming from all the talks or all the great talks surrounding yeah. about the B2 the Me too movement, yeah. movement and everything. And yeah i think there's maybe more of a sensitivity about specifically putting women in positions where you know a guy is going to walk in on them in the shower whether accidental whether comedic whatever it may be yeah Um, it just feels like uh like a really unique time but if you take all that away and you just appreciate the fact that this was uh you know entertaining stuff that you were involved with for 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 a long time during your time there um and just assuming that nobody got offended and nobody got hurt. Um you know, really, really entertaining <laughs> stuff.
2: Yeah, thought- there are a lot of really incredible experiences just outside of the actual filming of it, but during the day, you know, the the some of the amazing talent you're rubbing elbows with, some of the places. Like we I we did a 10 day tour in Japan that was incredible. So just some amazing, unique experiences, you know, set aside the You know, I guess politically incorrect (laughs) pieces of it, if you will. Uh,
1: No, just to clarify, during your initial run with the company, you never did you never actually get to wrestle a match then? Never. Never did at that time. No, we
2: just did the catfight stuff. And then we had had that we had a match actually slated for uh, the pay per view. And then um, Amy had that stuff happen. She hadn't signed her contract yet. She did an interview about it. So it's out there. that what happened um that was on the flight back from japan that that happened that did happen i'm going to i'm going to vouch for her on that i was there um so it did it did happen uh it sucked and she flew we landed in alaska and she flew straight home she didn't even do that show she was like absolutely not because in the acting world none of that boys club bs is acceptable on any level at any time ever um and maybe it's different there now, but it there was a lot of shenanigans that happened. And from what, we, from what I understood in years past, it had been way worse, like the way that girls got hazed and things put in their bags, like lotion dumped in their clothes and crazy stuff. Now, I didn't, none of that stuff happened to me. And from what I understand, like that's how it was before my time, but there was still some shenanigans going on when I was there that's just not okay, obviously. Um, so since she left, I was kept in that program for a while. And I think they were trying to figure out different things to like, do with me. Um, and I think that's why they ended up, I think what they ended up replacing it with was the, that rookie diva search thing might've been what they did instead. They did, award. they did something instead.
1: You won an award for rookie diva <laughs> over here. I know. Um, uh, history, absolute history. First, and I, I, Maybe the last, I don't know if they did that award again, but there you go.
2: Yeah. I got to make myself a trophy or something. There was no actual, (laughs) like, actually get anything. Um, Yeah, it was funny. That was, and actually I had asked, so they had me do, they told us we had to come up with the talent. Like that's kind of the direction, like come up with a talent. I wanted to do um, a wrestling move. I had been working on a version of the sunset flip. Um, from the doing the split on the top rope, you kind of wrap up the person, you roll them over, and that was going to be my finisher that I was working on for my match with Amy. And I had kind of said, like, can I do that? Because I was wanting to get that respect and step in and show everyone that, like, hey, I am taking this seriously and, you know, show the fans, like, I, I mean it and I'm trying to be here for the long haul type thing. Um, they said no. I wasn't allowed to do that. Uh, so they told me, think of something else. So that's And I ended up doing, like, a massage for like an overly sexualized massage for Tori, which I was just like, whatever, I guess this is what, I, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do here. So yeah, and it was fine. You just get on board and it is what it is. Cause I mean, we had, if you look back over those years, it was even more hypersexualized with some of the, you know, previous talent from way back in the day. So it, it had toned down a little bit, I guess.
1: Yeah. I, I think it, it just started to at that time, but yeah. you know, it is what it is, but sounds like it was a little bit of a bummer like did you kind of look back and at that at that point did you want there to be more opportunity to show what you could do in the ring to go in that direction
2: uh the tough thing was is that I just knew I didn't have um like physically I wasn't a very like buff or stocky girl um I was kind of smaller and So I knew I was going to get hurt, basically, I guess is what part of it was if I really tried to go for it. I didn't have the training. I didn't have the experience. And the other thing that I think people don't realize is my inexperience could have hurt someone else that was very experienced, and that wouldn't have been fair to their career. Um, So while I was in the morning when people were practicing and warming up, I was trying to learn some stuff. Um, I also knew that probably my role would largely be more of the a cat fight. But I was still in my first year. And I think I told you this before. But one of the funny things is, is I had just kind of committed to going full in. And right before my release, I was scheduled to go on the road full time. Um, So I was really and then at that time, I think I probably would have started had more time, obviously ring time without the pressure of TV to really start training and and developing. So I, I probably would have ultimately gone you know more in that direction because how can you work with people that you that work so hard in that capacity that you respect so much and not participate? It just it's almost offensive. I think at some point. Yeah. So.
1: No, it, it would have made sense. It sounds like you were you were right at that crossroads, which makes it even crazier because putting you on the road full time feels like they're happy with you and they want to it use you for
2: I was so, I was so sad too. The other thing is they they released fifty of us. And I was the last one. I was the last one to get the call.
1: Wow. 50? Yeah,
2: yeah, 50 at once. 50 at once. The um, Charlie and Jackie Haas were released. Uh, Show Funaki, I think, was released. A, bu- a bunch of people. Um, I think, was Mark Jindrak released? Maybe or maybe a little bit later. It was a good, it was a good lot of us. Um, and I kind of started making some calls because I was like, what the heck happened? Like, I didn't know. And everyone else knew. Everyone else knew that they were released and whoever I called was like, oh, yeah, we heard yesterday or we heard. So I don't know if they already had their full list or if they were like on the fence with some people or I i, I have no idea. I had my suitcase packed. I was leaving the next morning for, t- for TV. Um and They kind of called me like the night before, like around this time of night. What time is it? It's like 730 where I am. So around this time of night they called and I thought, oh, they're just asking me to bring, you know, two bikinis or whatever. <laughs> um And it was the I, at first, I didn't. It was it was um, it was John Laurinaitis, and I didn't even at first understand like what he was trying to tell me. I was like, "What? Like, what do you mean?" Because I remember him saying like, "It's not. It's not personal. It's just business." And <laughs> thinking like, "What? What are we talking about? Like, what is going on?" So I, it, yeah. I was very confused.
0: Bill Aptor has been in the pro wrestling business for over fifty years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. Six, one, 255.
2: Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing.
0: Bruno was an champion. You know? Here exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is the After, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno Sammartino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did he didn't have anything to do Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. That the rules, as I always understood them, was that the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com vocnation vocnation. Voc Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history.
1: Wow, that's insane. I mean, and you know, we you've talked about this before, but it's kind of a it, kind of a double-edged sword because on one hand, you are all you're all prepped, you're all ready to kind of move more full force into this direction than ever before. But you've talked since then about how maybe in the back of your mind, overall, your destiny, your life. Maybe you were headed in a different direction anyway that you weren't fully focused on or weren't thinking about or didn't realize back then. Before we get there, I just want to ask one other question about your wrestling career because I didn't even realize that you had come back for WrestleMania 25 for the Divas Battle Royal, right?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So that was essentially your first in-ring match.
2: Yeah, I guess.
1: (laughs) How was that? Like, how does that happen? Like, let's bring her back and she can beat you in the ring.
2: I know. Um, I has- think they just needed a certain amount of girls. Um, and they had to, you know, they kind of have to go back through history, right? Because they're the ones that are currently on the roster. And then they needed, I think, more than that. Um, the and up. then I think some of it is, uh, I hate to say it this way, who's still in shape when they're not working. Right. Some of it's that. Um yeah. And I had gone to a show to visit in Texas like a couple months before that, and so I think they were like, "Oh yeah, maybe her." You know what I mean? I don't think it was them digging back in of like we. I don't think it was anything personal like about me. I think it was just right place, right time kind of a thing. Was, uh, it, was it an automatic yes for you to come back? Um, yeah, it was a one time thing. I knew, and it was. Um, I, I thought it would be fun. I was excited to do it. It's. Uh... And what's funny is things had changed so much even then because. We, um, one of the beautiful Bella twins let me borrow some like shorts because my shorts that I had for like under my little outfit that I made, I made that, um, were too small for the teeth, whatever network they were on. And they were like, you can't wear that. And I was, there's like too much cheek. And I'm like, like what am I supposed to wear? You guys didn't tell me. i don't have a magical suitcase of like bigger underwear. Like, I don't know what you want. So they one of them gave me some little shorts and really sweet.
1: See, um, that's how times change because they said you can't wear it too much cheek. Five years before that, they would have said, no, there's too much material here. We have yeah, scissors.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it was a different, a different thing for sure. Um, it was, I was grateful for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. It was you know, just to kind of be back and say hi to everyone and who was there. And it was a a different mix of people, I think, at the time. But as you know, for the Hall of Fame um, events, a lot of people that aren't on the roster anymore come out and you get to see a lot of people. And so I actually did on the WrestleMania 21 was when I was still there and some of the divas got to present the Hall of Famers to the Staples Center, which was incredible. So, like, that stuff like that is, to me, more powerful than you know, the ring time, just because I, I wouldn't have been any good anyway. That's just the truth. <laughs> I would have been a horrible disappointment. Um, yeah, I just didn't found, have the training.
1: You found your way to your WrestleMania moments. And yeah. I think maybe the lesson here is there is a way to look at the wrestling business, certainly, where you could be a contributor and you could be a star and you could be memorable. It doesn't necessarily have to be your time in the ring that gets it done. And I think you're- Yeah.
2: That. And the non-wrestling people that- try to understand my time there the way i explain it is that i was one of the catalysts for the main event program because they were fighting over me every week so if they they needed something to be fighting over so yeah while i wasn't you know always catfighting or doing the fighting i was either getting walked in on in the shower or getting kidnapped or you know what i mean something ridiculous was happening to me to make them fight so in that way I, you know i like to think that i at least played some part in the entertainment of the wrestling masses, I guess. Um, but like you like you alluded to, I was getting all this TV time and was the height of you know, what a lot of people would think is the start of an amazing career. And how is this not the height of your career? Um, what a lot of people don't know is that I really had my heart set on film and television, like I told you. Um, I had two little kids, uh, November 18th that you mentioned. That would have been my daughter's third birthday. So I had two little kids at home. I was, I had a marriage that was failing. I was responsible financially for my whole household plus my parent um, financially. So I had all this pressure on me. And then the the time schedule, I really wasn't able to do a lot of other roles. So I was just feeling like I needed to be what everyone else wanted and needed me to be. So that's why for me, it felt like a huge sacrifice to say like, okay, I'm just going to totally give up all other opportunities in my career and go on the road full time. So it was even more devastating. It sounds ridiculous now, but it was even more devastating for me to get released because I had just fully committed to something that I didn't even really want to do.
1: Yeah, no, it, I, but it, it makes total sense. I mean, you're trying to juggle responsibility and family and you know what your true passion is and you're trying to take a risk a calculated risk on which direction is best for you which is best for everyone around you too. Yeah. that's a tough spot and then you choose a direction and then suddenly there's a roadblock and that yeah. road is no longer travelable <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was an interesting it was an interesting time i mean i think all things happen for a reason i do think we have the ability to Turn anything around to serve our greatest good. To learn the lessons that we can from it. To take the positive of the experiences. Um, you know, and, and now from retrospectively, I can appreciate a lot of the great moments that I had. Where you know, I had my feelings hurt over it for a little while. I didn't want anything to do with it for a little while.
1: Totally understandable, but yeah. as we said, you found a different direction in life, one that I. <laughs> I dare say, maybe you would not have been able to focus on while you were on the road. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, I think
2: that's fair. I mean, I did actually have a lot of time alone when I was. Uh, the road's lonely. It's a it's a lonely time because while you're, I mean, TV is a longer day, but the house shows you're not there until whatever time you're there. You know, four or five. You have the whole day. You're either driving, working out. You know, but it's a it's a kind of a lonelier. Um, I think anyone that's on the road in any capacity for any job there's a movie with George Clooney a while back, like many, many years ago, and he flies. Yeah, <laughs> So it's like just time passes and the world passes around you and it's, you just feel so separate. So it is a weird, I mean, maybe I would have had time to meditate and, you know, learn all that side of myself, um, the mediumship and the, the psychic work and all of that. But it just, it definitely wasn't my focus at the time for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think things... Have a way of working out. As we for said, sure, it yeah, it worked out really well for you, and you know, all, all we need is that trophy. We can get you that trophy. Um, <laughs> it would look really good oh, right rookie, there in the background. My rookie
2: trophy. Yeah, yeah. That's right.
1: So funny. It's in a warehouse somewhere, I'm sure. Just
2: oh, good. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: um, I mean, this has been an amazing insight again into. Another story about someone who went into the diva search a certain way, came out a certain way, had a different experience in between, um, and I think it's really cool to hear from you because you've been able to kind of put a positive spin on everything that happened to you, whether it was the the, the ups, the downs, the pitfalls, the climbs. Um, I feel like I'm about to start singing, but I wish
2: you um, would. I <laughs>
1: We'll, we'll come back for a part two. We'll do we'll do like a Facebook live and we'll take a uh, we'll take donations for that.
2: We got to them for
1: that. I don't do that for free. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, is there anything uh else you want to you know talk, talk about or push people toward? I know, of course, you know everything that you're doing right now. I'm sure a lot of people watching would like to check out. Your entire new side of your life with mediumship.
2: What I'm up to. Yeah. So it's interesting because I wouldn't have back then identified myself as someone who was like intuitive or mediumistic. I didn't see dead people in that way. But um, really, when I step back and think about it, I always have had a connection with, you know, a higher power, certainly, um, like a lot of us, and with kind of more than just myself. And I do have a lot of instances of, like I was always asking for signs for things and I don't know who I thought I was asking, but so it really always has been a part of my inner world, but just not something I really shared. And then I wanna say in the last uh, 10 or so years, it really started developing in a more focused way. So I yeah, that's my full time thing. Now I had a wellness center for a while still doing massage and healing. Um, My primary focus in the last few years is mediumship. I talk to loved ones that have crossed over. Um, giving messages and details about their life. Um, And also, I don't love the word psychic just because I think it has a weird connotation in our society, but intuitive work with people wanting more information or guidance about their life. Um, So if you want to learn more about what I do in that capacity, my website is joyfulmedium.com. And then that's my handle on most of the social media platforms. So Instagram and Facebook, it's at joyfulmedium. Um, and actually on the website, I have a free, if you want to get on my mailing list, you're automatically entered for a monthly drawing to win a free reading. I do, I do at least one free reading a month, just always giving back. I think that's a big part just because someone can't, you know, financially maybe afford it doesn't mean that they don't need the healing or the messages or to know that their loved ones are still present with them. Um, I fought against that work for a little while too. I guess it's my Capricorn nature. Um, I push against things sometimes that are good for me, um, I just didn't I didn't know if I felt comfortable, you know, coming out, I guess, into the world in that way and how I would be received and how other people would feel about it, which, you know, I guess the moral of the story often is, don't care what other people think, just be true to yourself and who you are and that usually works out in the end. Um, but yeah, it's just such a part of who I am and the people that I work with, I do feel like they receive a lot of healing and comfort and guidance and it just opens up some of their journey for them, which is really my whole job. So I I feel like it's so beneficial for people. I love the work. I'm really passionate about it. Great. That's awesome. um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, If if anyone is interested can just sampling, you know, and and I'll attest to the fact, again, you know, we've spoken about this before. I I, I didn't walk into uh, any of this information or talking to you about anything that you do as any sort of believer at all. Um, But I still found it really insightful and very interesting to go through the process with you a while ago, as we did, because I, I mean, I was very curious. Yeah. uh,
2: I want to work with you again. Just, we'll talk about that later, but just, just for fun. (laughs) I think you're more ready now.
1: Uh, You were super
2: resistant last time.
1: I, I was very resistant last yeah. time. But, but, you know, <laughs> I will say that there's uh, this way. I think that it's beneficial to check out whether you believe or whether you don't. Whether it convinces you or not is a totally different story. But I do think that there is uh, a lot of insightfulness that comes from everything that you, that you said. And well, that thanks. You, it's very clear that um, that you Really do do this from the heart and care about you know the conversation, care about the people you're working with. So Thanks. I would encourage anyone to uh, to, uh, to work with with you and. Uh, there's no way you're not going to get something good out
2: of it. Yeah. Even just come hang out on Instagram. I mean, I, I, um, I'm in the chat thread, so I'll post like just fun questions. And I just posted one the other day, like what was the number one song on your 10th birthday? Like, so some of it's just fun for conversation. I usually post affirmations daily, just positive, you know, who doesn't need some positivity in their day. Um, and then I do show some mediumship or information from readings just cause I think there's such a stigma around, is it going to be scary? What kind of stuff is my loved one going to talk about? And a lot of the times they just want to let you know that they remember the same memories that you remember, or that they're still with you or, you know, information like that. So it just kind of takes the edge off and kind of you alluded to it. I'm not trying to convince anyone or change anyone's mind. That's not my role. Um, but just, I think that we're all, always on, you know, a search in this journey just for what we believe and don't believe in every capacity. And I think it's it's healthy to investigate all sides of things. So come hang out.
1: Cool. <laughs> hey guys, I told you this was going to be a unique episode at this time. Because <laughs> oh, we, <geez>. have, <laughs> we have yet to and probably never will again have an episode of my big break that ends in a pitch towards mediumship. And that's okay. <laughs> that's
2: fair. Yeah, that's fair.
1: That's okay, because, uh, you know, that's what makes Joy special. So, thank Joy, thank you so much for telling us your story.
2: Thanks. Always um, oh, great to see you, Jerry.
1: Yeah, great to see you, too. And uh, all you guys, thanks for checking us out one more time here on The Big Break. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys.
2: Bye.